impact of COVID-19. We all knew this was going to be a tough time. We need to wrap our minds around a painful truth. We're in the early stages of what is going to become a series of cascading crises. back to uh, the extraordinarily successful country and economy that we've had, uh, that we've built over so many generations. However long it takes. Welcome back to this, the sixth episode of A New Normal. Startwell's content series featuring entrepreneurs, innovators, and institutions all working through post-pandemic realities. I'm Startwell's founder uh, and CEO, Kasim Virgi, and this time around, I sat down with Shez Samji, who is the Managing Director of Private Equity Services at the Silicon Valley Bank here in Toronto, Canada. You know, um, the question really is going to be, um, are, are, are companies going to reevaluate their complete, their real estate strategy? Because if you think of Okay, you know, we got we got to the juice right away. Right. So, what are your thoughts? my thought, you know, people, I think the consensus right now is is that there's going to be some sort of structural implications to commercial real estate or or, or particularly off like office. I actually disagree. Um, I think there might be some short term volatility. There might be some in terms of rent negotiations because you know every business right now is rethinking their revenue model and how vulnerable it is, be it in terms of just general competitive advantage to even who their customers are and their counterparty risk, right? You had, you've had a lot of businesses um, who their customers were startups and they were a startup. And, and so that's being reevaluated. And then on top of that, everyone's going through their cost structure and, and, and uh, rent on average is about 18%. Uh, and this is, you know, again, service based where, you know, your most of your cost is employees, but dissecting that even further, your cost structure, eighteen percent on average is 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 rent. Um, I don't. Uh, again, I, I think in the short term, people they're gonna work from home, and you know, once there's a vaccine, uh, then things should, in my opinion, normalize. But it used to be a perk to be able to work from home. Now it's going to be by, by to some degree forced, uh, potentially. Uh, but I think again, we've all taken the, the, the human connection has been taken, been taken for granted. I think people want to go back to the office. That's the, so, you know, the, the broader consensus is there's going to be structural, uh, implications to, to commercial real estate. But when I'm talking to people on a day-to-day basis, and I'm curious to hear your view, yeah, uh, everyone wants to go back to the office. No one wants to work from home. You know, um, everyone again is yearning to be with their colleagues, to to have that, to to talk with each other when they're grabbing a snack or a coffee. Um, I even think, from a psychological perspective, commuting to work, um, um, it, it allows us to have some sort of you know break between you know work and, and home setting. But when you're constantly working every day from home, you know, productivity has, sh- you know, everyone's working on average three, three hours more per day. So productivity is shot through the roof. So employers are like, this is great. However, employees 
I don't know if they necessarily feel that way. I think they want to work from home. And I think, you know, offices are going to have to be completely retooled uh, to some degree to position or, or, you know, or in terms of their real estate strategy, if there is another pandemic down the road. But again, we're dealing with a very right or actually I'd say a left tail risk that's occurred right in the system that we have. We've got a, we've got a supply and demand shock that's driven off of pandemic. Most of our, you know, economic shocks or financial bubbles. This is completely different. Um, so everyone's learning as the information comes. But I don't, I don't think commercial real estate by any means in a long-term perspective is going to be impaired. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think what we've seen across the board in the industry of commercial real estate is the first domino in the chain, I think even on a macro level, uh, assessing kind of economic damage uh, to Canada, particularly here in Toronto, from my lens, uh, the first domino was uh, ground floor retail, uh, particularly on Main Street or retail uh, high street uh, traffic. You know, those stores, as they were mandated by the province to close, um, you know, or otherwise out of fear for their customer interactions closed, um, that was the first thing that then affected the rest of kind of commerce, physical commerce, uh, you know, and of course that bled into very quickly by third, fourth week of March, bled into, um, you know, indoor complexes, shopping malls, where even for April 1st, you have people like Cadillac Fairview uh, announcing, well, you know, kind of like uh, pushing in the rumor mill uh, that that early they had something like 40% default rate uh, to 50% default rate on tenants in the Eaton Center alone, which is, you know, their pinnacle property. So I think that like the retail was the first push. How it happened was from, you know, stores facing the public, uh, pedestrian public, then it internalized, and then it kind of spread into this office space thing where it took from at least my standpoint with our member teams, uh, two, three weeks for them to figure out what they want to do uh, to manage the concerns, really the safety concerns and fears of their uh, teams. So they said, okay, March is off, go home, work remotely, let's figure this out into April. Uh, and then what we found was much like retail landlords, uh, people started defaulting and trying to pull um, out of their, uh, you know, really their, their contractual obligations to us as a kind of a landlord. Uh, and unfortunately the community kind of stratified in a little bit. Uh, so even though we, uh, you know, expressed our kind of intent for most of our members to uh, carry on some form of service for them uh, and uh, and have a kind of a return to work plan uh, worked on, uh, which is what I've done with some of our tenants already or our members. Um, I found that the fear factor of this pandemic and its economic impact and how rapid this has all happened, uh, or rapidly this has happened, has actually uh, kind of put leaders into shock mode uh, and the shock mode definitely lasted for at least a month. I think in April, people are picking up the mental pieces on figuring out next steps if they can. Uh, maybe they have a bit more information to rationalize their fears and deal with them now. But definitely, I've seen um, this kind of like fear-driven decision-making, uh, halting um, not just, you know, OPEX, uh, which rent, yes, as you said, was like, you know, a number two kind of cost for most people or a number three cost, certainly not a tertiary cost. Uh, but a lot of smaller firms, SMBs that we deal with, uh, typically under 200 staff, um, you know, made the decision early to kind of say, okay, well, everyone go home, let's test out work from home. They figured out 
work from home kind of makes sense, but you know, the story in the mass media we're not noticing is, or not seeing is um, this whole thing has kind of blanketed a willingness to shed OPEX further uh, and furlough people that might not necessarily have been um, made redundant just purely because of the economics right. of the COVID situation, right? Yeah. So a lot of people have been kind of like laid off through this whole process and uh, this whole work from home thing has been kind of an excuse for a lot of people to say, well, you couldn't really do your job at home and maybe you'll be back in three months and let's stay in touch and ciao. Um, so we've seen that happen firsthand. And uh, I think I, I agree with you that like the, the compulsion as a social uh, species to interact with each other uh, and the work, the way we look at, at Startwell, the way we look at what work is, as this manifestation of um, justified socialization. You know, uh, people need to work to feel fulfilled that they're doing something in their lives and doing it alone in a silo isn't as fulfilling, which ultimately doesn't add value in the bottom line of your life satisfaction trajectory. You know, people need to relate to each other through something, unfortunately, societally, we've embraced commerce as that thing, uh, for better or worse. But I think that work is a necessary aspect of society. And, um, and to do it properly, you need to do it with other people. I, I could not agree anymore. I mean, um, we do uh, define ourselves to, met to, to, to a large degree of what we do for a living. It is innate in all of us, and that is what creates a self of well-being for for us. So, um, I agree. So, if we're you know, the question comes if we're if we're all working from home, it's very hard to 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 some degree achieve that self of well-being. Right. Uh, if we're rotating, you know, to some degree, and then we can become accustomed to that, that then that might that might uh, that might change behavior ultimately. But, you know, I, I do think, you know, I, I hope, actually, I should say, that two years from now, you know, we're all going to be in the office and, 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 and we've forgotten about this, this pandemic. But again, this, this shock to our system has, has forced every business, including the companies at SVB who are our borrowers and the investors that we back, um, and within our own business as well, to you know, particularly you know, to reevaluate a lot of things, and the the companies that we that we that we and the investors that we that we you know that we partner with, everyone is reevaluating certain 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 things in terms of their their cost structure and and how to be more efficient. Uh, um, but we have to be mindful that you know the issue is 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 you know, every job gain that we've created since the financial crisis has uh, has been wiped out, right. And so, you know, if you're so, you know, and, and if you think of GDP output for the last three years, 70 to 80 percent of that has come from consumer growth, uh, but in the States and, and you know, particularly so, which has obviously repercussions to, to Canada. Um, so now that that part of the, you know, output equation is reduced because of unemployment, you know, the question is, is, you know, because as society, because we're flush with liquidity, it's forced us actually to be very much so connected financially. You know, if you think of the building that is 
you know, every, a lot of these office buildings are owned by a REIT. Um, that, that, that REIT, it has mortgages, mortgage obligations from uh, a bank. That bank has, you know, got, got, um, uh, you know, it's going to have, obviously they're going to have, they're going to have implications of, of, of the debt servicing requirements because, you know, te- uh, landlords are having issues collecting their rent. So it trickles down, you know, that's going to cause liquidity to tighten in the system. But then that building is owned by a REIT and that REIT has, you know, investors like me and you who are collecting income or whatever, or, or retirees who are collecting income, they right. may have to suspend or cut their distribution. So it's, there's a massive trickle down effect here that we have to be very, very sensitive to. And I, um, I applaud, you know, um, you know, just, you know, federal governments to react as fast as they have relative to other crises. Um, if you think of just general uh, fisc- uh, monetary easing, it's roughly 12% of GDP for both Canada and the United States or just general fiscal stimulus as well. Um, so we've protected that kind of contraction. That's one quarter of contraction that we've bridged ourselves roughly. Um, uh, but well, so that's one thing, right? The, 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 the fiscal stimulus has been, is, from a headline perspective, has been great. The implementation of that is one thing that can be debated. And it's kind of too early to debate that. It's only been one month, even though it feels like a really long time. But for Canadian businesses, I think the two largest, and for, for this conversation, the two largest, I think, um, criteria is obviously the wage subsidy. Uh, that, it, that, that should hopefully, um, again, be able to bridge um, people to get some paychecks. You know, um, uh, and the and the in the in the implement and the uh, the, la- the the commercial rent subsidy as well should be important. Uh, yeah, I think, I think those are the most effective that we have. I mean, there's there's SERP as well. Um, that's a, that's more of a you know direct to individual, but from a commercial business perspective, the two facets I think that are the biggest and most effective so far are, are the wage subsidy and the 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 rent subsidy. I think, yeah, definitely. I agree with you that like politicians should be applauded in this country for, um, you know, whoever was able to rally to support these uh, initiatives by the uh, leaders in the government to, uh, to help, you know, stimulate the economy and keep Canadians uh, somewhat positive, even though they're, you know, forced out of jobs and, 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 and stuck at home kind of thing. I think they've moved relatively fast for a government and i think they're they're kind of like announcing perhaps faster than they can follow through on some things uh, however the intent is certainly positive and appreciated across the board um on the note of what they've done and how it's helped uh, or how it will help i think you're right there's a lot of information and data that will come out in the coming months what i'm seeing uh immediately is particularly coming back to this idea of assessing kind of commercial real estate damage as a sector. Um, what we're seeing is the landlord reimbursement uh, kind of scheme. Uh, I forget what the acronym is, but essentially commercial rent relief uh, is the topic has been a bit cumbersome in how it's been rolled out uh, because what they've done is they've, as I understand it said to landlords discount the rent that your tenants owe you by 25% in order to qualify for a forgivable 50% loan uh, on that rent that the tenant would owe you uh, so long as they can give you 25% of it. So essentially uh, cut the rent by 25%, the government will back 
half of what the tenant would owe you. That eases the burden on the tenant, hopefully keeps them active as a tenant. Uh, and that's for the period of April, May, June, nothing's been released post that. And at the same time, uh, how this all gets, uh, you know, financed uh, and how money gets into pockets hasn't really been kind of laid out yet. I think they're still figuring out the pieces right. to see between the federal, provincial and municipal governments, how they all coordinate. So for us, it's been interesting because I, I as well, I think organizationally saw this was coming down the pipe in February and made movements to um, reach out uh, you know, to the BDC, who we've had a little bit of history with as a company, uh, to actually talk about what products they're anticipating rolling out, aside from what the government then announced in March. So we were ahead of the curve, or what, what most people in the BDC are referring to as the tsunami of uh, incoming leads uh, for businesses that were looking for some form of financing to stay afloat through this tough period. And, it was really interesting because luckily our financials have been strong. Uh, 2019 was a great year for us and that enabled us to raise a whole whack of debt that floated us for a number of months or will. Um, and of course it being in the landlording business when you're uh, renting property and we've got now, uh, you know, 20 over 20,000 square feet under management um, that goes from this kind of like, you know, second, third level expense to a number one expense that's extremely expensive for us. Uh, so debt's really expensive, no matter what the interest rate, uh, when it's being raised to finance all of your, uh, you know, OPEX for the most part. Um, and that's what we've seen here at Startwell. But it's been interesting because I, I was a little surprised to see um, the government immediately jump to debt. And I think part of it was, they said, okay, well, we have a vehicle for distributing that debt, and that is the BDC. The BDC does this for a living. Um, so that was simple in a way. It was tough for the, the people who work there to try and figure out how to deal with the inflow and all their operational mechanics changed. Uh, but they've done well. And, and from what I've heard on the ground across the country is they've turned like 60% of their staff across the board into loans officers just to deal with the, the influx yeah. of applications. Now, what I've also heard, unfortunately, is not many companies have been like Startwell in the sense of, you know, SMBs uh, who are living month to month, uh, leaving aside pre-revenue companies, but talking about established firms with revenues and a somewhat of a profit margin. Um, if it's an owner-operated business across the board, uh, the likelihood of their paper uh, looking great uh, and looking fat uh, is low. So a lot of companies, and this has been articulated to me in uh, interviewing entrepreneurs on the street, particularly retail level businesses, and then also talking to the BDC specifically about this. Uh, both sides of the table have been really um, saddened by the inability for uh, loans, uh, for debt, to be able to keep businesses afloat, um, you know, who may not have been uh, able to qualify for loans before the pandemic. So the terms of, uh, you know, essentially, uh, the terms of loaning people money company's money hasn't changed through this period. Um, the, the, the bank has tried to, uh, you know, adjust its, uh, I guess you would call it a risk profile uh, or risk tolerance profile. But uh, as an organization, they haven't necessarily been able to do it to a degree that would uh, enable enough retailers to stay alive through the period. And we're starting to see, you know, these sorts of uh, retail turnovers on commercial real estate happen already. Uh, a month and a half into this or two months into this, right? So 
I think a lot of people defaulted on their rents for May and landlords are foreclosing on commercial properties. Uh, and this comes back to that whole commercial uh, rent subsidy thing where the majority of landlords haven't even been able to recoup 25% uh, of the rent that retailers at least uh, owe them for April and May uh, in order to qualify for the rent subsidy. Um, so that's been interesting to watch. Um, again, we deal with office space uh, and event space and meeting space. So for us and for our business, it's not um, immediately impactful, but to the streetscape and there'll be knock on effects, of course, in a larger economy with, with the uh, retail level being closed across the country for, for months, for sure. Um, so I'd love to hear your take on, on debt, you know, debt through the crisis and debt as an instrument for uh, companies going forward. No doubt it's going to be a more important, I know you deal with equity, the equity side of the business. So maybe you could give a color on both sides of that story. No debt, I did th debt as well. Oh, it is. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. What do you think about the topic of kind of debt and it's, it's changing role in business in Canada over coming months, uh, years, because of this crisis or, or irrespective of it? Yeah. Um, so let's actually start with, with discussing just generally private capital. There's, there's over, you know, there's trillions of dollars in, in, in dry powder of, 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 of private capital that needs to be invested. Wait, can we pause for a second? Did you just call it dry powder? Yeah. <laughs> I love that phrase. Okay. So, that's a, that's a finance term that essentially means that money that needs to be allocated somewhere. Yeah. Um, and you know, the thesis my personal thesis has always been come whatever the, the next downturn that occurs, it really would be private capital that would come in and step in, uh, and, um, kind of put a floor or scoop up asset prices or rescue companies. Um, the issue right now is because of the type of shock that we have, it's hard to transact as we kind of said before. Uh, but debt is going to be ever so more important because, you know, he, 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 you, he, it's going to provide runway for you to, to continue um, to potentially get through this business, this cycle, sorry. Uh, it's going to allow, if you have opportunities, i.e. you're a business and you want to acquire um, a competitor or, um, you know, uh, a strategic business that's important to, you know, uh, amplify your, that, your, your, your own value chain. Um, you, to get the best price or to optimize your own capital structure of a company, you're going to have to pair it with some debt. You're going to need equity, I think, no doubt in, in any situation right now, but you're going to have to pair it with debt so it's not as dilutive because I think, you know, private asset prices likely, um, you know, unless you have the ability to show that you are very, very defensive in this nature. And I think even defensive companies right now uh, are showing revenue growth, but again, their cost structures um, are, are increasing to the tune of the same magnitude of the revenue growth. So the profit margins are, are, are right now not, are, are thin. Right. Um, you're going to have to, you're going to have to pair it with, with some sort of debt um, for two reasons. One, again, to optimize your, your capital structure. So from an equity perspective, you're not as dilutive. So when you're financing an opportunity, if it's purely equity, you know, you're going to give up a lot more pie uh, or share of your pie and pairing that with debt is going to allow you to, to negate some of that. Or um, just also to allow you to be opportunistic. So increasing your, your working capital lines of credit 
um, to to a degree to allow you to 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 give you comfort that you've gotten your term liquidity that you could be opportunistic. Um, so that debt is super important. The good news is is that you know the market is is flushed with capital right now, in my opinion. Right. Uh, so so uh, if deals are good, they will they will transact at some point in time, uh, and if the terms make sense, uh, you know you've got banks, particularly SVB. We've been supporting all our clients throughout this. So everywhere, every company that where we have a term loan that's less than ten million dollars, which is a lot for us, yeah, in terms of volume. We've we've effectively said, look, for the next like six months. You don't have to, uh, we're giving you an amortization window. You don't have to pay down the loan. And this is kind of carte blanche. If you're the best credit, if you're the poorest credit, it's kind of a window uh, that we're giving everyone. So we're, we are, you know, we are a, we're trying to be as much of a solution uh, or an aid to this situation that we're going through more than anything. And so, um, it's uh, it's it's just showing how we are a true financial partner um, to any to all of our our clients. Um, you've seen a lot. You, there's been some acquisition financings uh, that we've seen right now, uh, where you know it's not banks that are financing; it's it's private market participants, so private debt funds. And they're certainly being very opportunistic right now, where you know they can get fairly attractive rates of return on, on, on their capital right now. So again, you know, as a business owner, you have various, if, if you can, you know, if you can demonstrate that, you know, you're, um, uh, you, you know, you have the ability to grow or, or find growth opportunities for your business right now, but you need capital to facilitate that growth, you'll be able to find it on the debt side and the equity side. It's interesting because I, you know, I think with the crisis that is um, that's impacting the immediacy of people's ability to carry on business, there's also opportunity to kind of sidestep that problem by looking on the meta and saying, okay, in the medium to long term, what are my goals for this business, and how do I want to kind of like strengthen it in in a longer uh, time frame? Um, and you're right. I mean, like there's there's bound to be a lot of movements in people kind of. Um, stabilizing their their business model by taking on some debt um, and uh, and being able to kind of leverage that uh, think of their assets less about you know cash flow and, and immediate revenue and more about kind of like the ability to earn in the long term. Um, yeah, so that's very important, right? If you are a CFO and, C and, and, and a CEO of business. You got to look at what your terms of your debt are, that you're whatever, you know, the reasons you need the money. And you got to ensure that the return, the normalized return, you can't look at it what it is over the last two months because that this is not normal. Right. Um, you got to project out and say, okay, you got to stress test your business. You got to say, okay, these are my clients. Based on the information I have on my clients, you know, this is, um, these are the companies that are going to likely cut back in terms of the revenues. These are the ones that are going to disappear. These are the ones that I can upsell. So this is the best case scenario. Let's apply some sort of probability or discount factor to this discount to this, you know, this best case scenario, best case scenario and call it a base case scenario. 
this is what the margins I can achieve on this base case scenario. This is what my ultimate OPEX is. Um, now, based on that, you know, this is the, this is either the cash burn or the free cash flow that my business is going to generate. Let's project that going forward. What is the, you know, what is the either how, what is the new, new milestone that I have to meet to achieve incremental capital? What is effectively that return on my own equity mm. of my business? And you got to just make sure whatever terms that you have on the table, uh, uh, quite frankly, coincide with those return thresholds. Um, otherwise, there's no point in taking on capital for the sake of capital, even though right now it's important to just have liquidity. But you always have to be cognizant of the fact that, you know, um, every dollar has to be accretive to your current business. Um, and if that, if that right now just means helping you survive, well, that, that's accretive. But again, you got to look at it. Okay, well, this is what I'm paying today. What is that relative um, on a, to my normalized returns of capital? Because hopefully, you know, at the same time, whoever your financial partner, they're also doing that for their own underwriting and due diligence as well. Because, you know, your longevity is equally as important to their own longevity. Right. Absolutely. What, uh, so in terms of new deals, in terms of new business, in terms of bringing on new customers, what's, um, I know you guys just, uh, your team just announced the hiring of a new president here in Canada, right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so what's the, what does the SV, SVB's like kind of footprint in Canada look like for the next, uh, well, future, uh, you know, the rest of 2020, but otherwise going forward post pandemic, hopefully, uh, from 2021 onwards. Um, what kind of appetite does the bank have here in Canada and what kind of specific industries, if it's unique to the landscape, are you looking to support uh, any new types of companies that anyone kind of, uh, you know, through our network or otherwise, uh, you know, should get in touch with you for, or. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean, we, we were very lucky to have Paul uh, join our, our team and, and lead us. Uh, you know, he's got C-suite uh, experience uh, it's kind of non-traditional to what a typical, you know, uh, bank would hire. You, just, you know, it's a, it's more on the payment side and fintech side. So very, very complementary to, um, you know, uh, a lot of the, um, the investment themes of our clients who are venture capital firms um, are, are building from a thesis generation perspective. Look for us, um, the way we think of where we want to pick our spots again, it's, we are, we're different from most banks in that we are solely focused on the innovation economy. We're, we're not going to go and, and finance and wine uh, growers. Correct. Yes. That's, I found that quite funny when I, when I learned that for the first yeah. time after knowing you guys for a little while, I, I didn't realize that that was uh, there's some, there's some perhaps historical information there about being in the Valley and Napa and supporting the wine yeah, it's, it's, it, that's, okay, that is very much so a function of a lot of the venture capitalists um, that we bank um, purchased vineyards as, as their own lifestyle business, and they, they asked, you know, they wanted us to partner with them. And so that, that's how that business has um, kind of uh, started. But okay. our core is, you know, again, we're very ecosystem focused. So if, our, if our, some of our clients were VCs, you know, we noticed the theme of them buying vineyards. We, we help them kind of uh, finance those purchases or, or give them working capital for those vineyards. But ultimately, our core focus is the innovation economy. It's the investors in the companies. 
uh, and that's predominantly technology uh, and healthcare slash life sciences. So as I, as I was about to say before, we're not going to, um, you know, uh, uh, bank um, a, a chain of clothing, uh, like bricks and mortar re- retail. Right. We're not going to bank um, a manufacturer of, 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 you know, toothbrushes, right? Unless there's some sort of novel technology that um, uh, is the primary competitive advantage for that business, which to some degree um, could be implemented in, in, in scale through other businesses, then that's a different topic. But for us, we focus on, for the most part, uh, um, uh, providing venture debt or some sort of bespoke type of debt to companies within the innovation economy. And, uh, and particularly with those um, investors, so venture capital firms that are clients of our long-standing clients of ours who are investing in those companies. So from a broad perspective, we're, you know, we don't say within technology, we're going to focus on health tech uh, or med- medical, you know, on health tech or, um, you know, artificial intelligence or, you know, digital education. We don't, we don't then say, you know, for us, we're very broad because again, we're the only bank where we're a sector, broad sector specialist, which is again, on purely, purely innovation economy. Um, and, and the investors who are also focused on driving capital within that ecosystem. Interesting. So, uh, sorry, is there, so there's a fund of funds kind of, uh, function to what you guys do? Uh, we have a group called S- SVB Capital, which is a fund of funds platform. But from a debt perspective, um, we'll bank the actual investors and so their companies. So if you and I go out and raise a fund, right, and uh, uh, we have a management company that's owned by you and I, and then we've got an underlying fund, you know, um, the management company, let's say we you know, want to hire a bunch of staff. We've raised a, a fee-bearing vehicle that's going to allow us to 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 invest. Um, we'll need working capital, uh, obviously, to hire those those investment professionals and finance professionals, and whatnot. So, SVB can actually bank the investors' management company. Okay. I see. Then we have a fund that we have raised um, through third-party investors. And that fund, you know, needs some sort of debt vehicle that allows it to uh, bridge, you know, draw down notices from their investors. So SVB will bank that fund as well. So it's a commercial bank for the actual investment companies. And then we're also a commercial bank for the companies that those investors are investing into. So we go raise a fund. We see this really, you know, interesting startup that we want to uh be a part of in terms of their series a so we write an equity check let's say for a million dollars and you know um we want uh, a million dollar equity uh, sorry a debt debt instrument from svb so we call svb and we'll we'll get some debt financing for that as well so growth in canada coming back to that that focus that you guys have for innovation um where do you see the innovation economy as relevant to canada's larger economy and uh, positioned in the near future um, going forward. Yeah, I, I think you're going to continue to see um, job creation come out of come out of this sector. It's going to be the driving force, I think, of job job creation going forward. If you just think of our, uh, you know, the degree of engineering students that uh, are, uh, are graduating, 
it's 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 an all-time high you know uh, um, and when you look at investor flows look at venture capital um, uh, fundraising activity in Canada uh, it is the fastest growing component of, of, of alternative asset fund uh, 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 capital flows so uh, if you think of just general private equity uh, you've had you know it's over 10 billion in Canada uh, but it's been slowing every year for the past two years if you think of venture capital it's it's uh, it's 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 growing in terms it's been it's been about three billion uh, in 2019 if not more but that's been that's been making that's been growing in terms of multiples so it's been doubling to sometimes even tripling on a year-over-year basis so there's a lot of capital that needs to be allocated in 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 uh, call it early stage businesses but particularly in in technology right um, there's a lot of accelerators that are being um, that are being built up in Canada uh, and when you think about again more broadly perspective from a broad broad perspective you know you think of the largest component of GDP growth in, uh, globally uh, it's coming from the knowledge-based economy and almost every company now has to be a tech business right right, right? Um, but you, I, you, you have to, you're going to see growth. It, it's, it's just no question because if you think of what's going to get us out of, what's going to put us back to full, uh, full employment, usually it's, it's technological change that drives that. That's what creates some sort of new, new wave, right? You've had, you had the internet before, right? That caused a technological revolution. Uh, you're going to continue to have different substreams of that happening going forward. And, you know, SVB has always been at the forefront of those those events because again, it's it has conviction in this in this in this um, part of the economy or yeah. sector, yeah. and um, it's all that we do up or down market. That's all that we do, right? We we're not going to pull out and say, okay, you know, we're only going to focus on um, these types of businesses going forward, we're, like what other banks would do. Uh, our bread and butter is again the, the innovation or knowledge-based, you know, sectors. So primarily, just let's bring it back just for a second onto this whole um, kind of coronavirus economic impact in the last, you know, through March and April, um, and we can kind of wrap there. But like, the question I have is around um, what you've seen as the bank here in Canada, uh, what you guys have seen for new applicants and an inflow of, of potential new customers coming to you looking for uh, options, financial options to, yeah. uh, to grow through this period, but, or otherwise just maintain. Yeah. Um, so from a priorities perspective, it's been, it's been first and foremost on our existing exposure and uh, uh, partners that we have. Okay. That's been 80 day to 90% of our time. Uh, over the last month. Now that that amount has been, now that things are starting to kind of get normal, there's some sort of um, pattern recognition, very small, albeit pattern recognition on, you know, what businesses are going to make it through, what businesses have enough liquidity, or, you know, um, this is what the, the next steps are from a monitoring perspective. Uh, it's probably truncated to 70%. And I'd say, the remaining 
call it 30% right now, or, or call it 20%, right? So we have 10% remaining, but the 20% is on existing deals that we had that we're just working to close out pre-COVID. And then 10% of that has been on new opportunities, on very, very select opportunities, because it's, it's, it's difficult. It is, it is very difficult, in my opinion, to transact on not meeting the management teams that you have, um, not knowing, quite frankly, what the next week is going to look like, look like on complete net new opportunities. Yeah. It, you know, um, and if you talk to most private equity and venture capital investment professionals, you know, the latest survey out of S&P Cap IQ, 46% of those investment professionals believe that, you know, they're going to see new transactions occur over the next six, six months. And I mean, new, new, like, I haven't seen this management team before. Um, I don't understand their business. I got to get up to speed on it type situation where there's some existing relationship either through the, the actual venture capital investor that SVB, you know, uh, is going to work with, uh, you know, those deals, you know, will continue to move forward and will be explored. But, and again, this is kind of the scope that we have right now within this next week, things are going to change you know, most definitely and quite quickly, but this is the vantage point that we have right now uh, in terms of very, very new, fresh opportunities. It sounds interesting. It sounds actually exciting uh, that you're anticipating a kind of, um, if I, I assume that this is the underlying kind of impetus for this perspective is that there will be a rush of innovation coming out of this time period uh, in the sense of spawning new companies or groups forming uh, through pivoting and changing their perspectives on what uh, ideal services they can offer as existing companies uh, or growing new product lines and all that kind of stuff. There'll be a lot of change and flux that will result in, uh, in net new increases of, um, of investable opportunities. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, you know, you, um, Every business, like a lot, a lot of businesses are having to pivot and those pivots um, uh, could start completely new, completely new ways of thinking, new business opportunities. Um, the, 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 a, a, a refined path forward of what could kind of surpass any business operator's expectations in terms of their own planning perspective everyone's kind of, you know, everyone, you see those blogs and, and, and posts that, you know, during the great, great financial crisis, you know, these, these unicorns were, were created, right. Uh, Uber being one of them. Um, so it's very unique because uh, again, as we started off this conversation, what we do for a living uh, and to some degree defines of who we are as individuals. It's innate in us. Uh, and, during times of uncertainty, we're all forced to internally pivot uh, and, and, and see what opportunities are in front of us or what opportunities we can organically create. Uh, uh, 
it's during these times where new partnerships are formed and relationships, foundational relationships are established as well. You know, it's unfortunate. We always say that these times are unfortunate, but we also have to try and make the most of the situation as well, because it is a resetting of, of, you know, the economy uh, and, and business plans and cost structures uh, all together, right? So, so you know, the title of this is a new normal. Well, it's, I wouldn't say it's the new normal because of coronavirus. I think that it will be a short, that'll be hopefully um, a drop in the bucket in terms of the next wave of, of new output. But it's really gonna be longer term what new ideas were established out of this general uh, economic crisis that we're also going through.